There was a time when I woke up every morning feeling like a gray cloud was hanging over me. Getting out of bed felt pointless and my favorite thing seemed dull. Another day of sibling fights, tantrums, behavior issues, the defiance, just the never-ending loop of the same issues every single day made me want to go right back to bed. It always felt like, here we go again. Not just with another day, but another day where I felt like I was failing as a parent. I realized it was more than just feeling like a bad mom stuck on replay. I was experiencing something far more common than we talk about. Joylessness. Today, we're going to talk about what that really means. Does motherhood sometimes feel like juggling flaming chainsaws while blindfolded on a unicycle? Because same. Motherhood feels like the most rewarding yet challenging adventure. I found myself thinking there has to be more to this motherhood gig than the tantrums, the sleepless nights, and the endless to-do list. In the midst of all the chaos, Joy seems to have taken a permanent vacation that we were not invited on. I'm saying enough is enough. I believe Joy isn't found, it's created. We can't keep waiting for Joy to magically appear. We have to make the conscious choice to choose it, here and now. Are you ready to ditch the survival mode itinerary and start mapping out the route to joy in motherhood? It's a destination we deserve and it's closer than we think. I'm Kayla and I'm your host of Joy Granted, the momcast where choosing joy is a non-negotiable. I think of joylessness as a lack of enthusiasm, maybe feeling disconnected from things that used to fuel you, and a general sense of being just emotionally flat. I want to heavily emphasize before we get into all of this, that while this may be a major symptom of depression and anxiety disorders, it exists on a spectrum and not everyone experiencing it is clinically depressed. Joylessness doesn't stay contained. It can leak out as irritability, impatience, and a lack of enthusiasm for connection, which is often not intentional, but it impacts those closest to you. It makes it harder to be fully present and actively listen. Relationships begin to feel superficial. A joyless person may withdraw to avoid the discomfort of feeling numb even around loved ones, but then that reinforces the isolation further. You might snap at your partner over small things or find yourself dreading social events, even though you know you should go. Joylessness seeps into work life as a lack of energy, procrastination, and just going through the motions. Consider it a warning sign. If it's left unaddressed, it sets the stage for a full-blown burnout where even basic tasks feel overwhelming. It's like a weight on your mind and your body. That lack of focus, dwindling motivation, feeling like your creativity is blocked up? Yeah, that's joylessness at work. This is where burnout starts lurking in the shadows. We end up pushing ourselves even harder out of fear, but then we're draining the very joy that we need to actually do good work. And the irony is when joy is missing, we become less effective, not more. Joylessness doesn't just make us feel down. It messes with our bodies and minds. 
our stress hormones like cortisol get out of whack, which leaves us constantly in a low-level fight-or-flight mode. Even our immune systems get weaker, making us more likely to get every bug going around, which is even easier with these school-age kiddos. But here's what I want you to truly understand. Joylessness is a single that you're pushing too hard. It is not a sign of weakness. So we know joylessness isn't just about feeling meh. It's that emotional flatness I mentioned. There's this deep ripple effect throughout all aspects of our lives. And all of this might sound a bit heavy, but there's a reason I want to be clear about these impacts. Because understanding why it happens is just as crucial in finding our way back to joy. So let's unravel some of the root causes. Let's talk about performance culture, shall we? We live in a world obsessed with achievement. We're always striving for the next thing. The message is loud and clear to always be doing, producing, reaching for the next thing. The problem is when we tie our self-worth to this never-ending hustle, there's no true joy in accomplishment. We hit one goal just to move the goalpost further down the field. Think of those social media posts bragging about working 80-hour weeks. Is there room for genuine joy in that? We forget we're human, not productivity robots. And how about that comparison trap? Social media is the hotbed of this problem. It throws gasoline right on the fire. We're bombarded with curated highlight reels, people only showing their best moments. The exciting vacations, the perfect relationships, the career wins. Now, rationally, we might know it's all filtered, but it still hits us in that vulnerable part of our brain, making us feel less than. But the thing is, even when we compare ourselves to people in our real lives, it's still harmful. We only ever see the surface because everyone battles things behind closed doors. Comparison is a thief because it bypasses logic and goes straight for that emotional center of ours. Which brings us to feeling disconnected from ourselves. In all this noise, the easiest thing to lose is a connection to our own self. Hobbies get put on hold, passions feel pointless, and simply enjoying the small things is labeled unproductive. We sometimes even wear busyness like a weird badge of honor. But true joy often comes from quieter things like a good conversation or immersing ourselves in something we love purely for the pleasure of it. None of this is easy to dismantle. We're literally swimming against the cultural current. But recognizing these causes is the first step toward building a life where joy actually gets integrated, not squeezed in as an afterthought. Let's be kind to ourselves even as we work to break these patterns that steal our joy. And now it's time for our joy jolt. Today's joy jolt is a little different. I'm going to share a quote I love by Wes Stafford. Joy is a decision, a really brave one, about how you're going to respond to life. Let this sink in for a moment. Even when joy feels far away, these words remind us that it's a choice, a potential, something we can cultivate even in the little things. Take that with you as we continue our exploration. Now, we've talked about how joylessness happens, the toll it takes, but the most important question is, what do we do about it? The good news is joy isn't something that's either magically there or not. We can cultivate it. So let's start small. 
What if we deliberately inject little doses of joy into our everyday lives? This isn't about huge life-changing things, but consistent moments that bring a spark. Taking a walk in nature, noticing the way the sunlight feels, that's a joyful act. Picking up that old sketchbook and just doodling, even if you think you're bad at it, is an act of joy. Listening to your favorite album all the way through, journaling a few things you're grateful for, actually playing with your dog, these count. Science backs this up because these moments light up those reward centers in our brains. But to really make joy stick, we have to dismantle some harmful ideas about success. What if success wasn't just about the finish line, but the daily grind? When we start finding joy in the process, the learning, the creating, the connecting, that's what makes it all sustainable. We need to grant ourselves permission to rest, to play. Those aren't frivolous, they're the fuel that allows us to truly thrive on a personal and professional level. Of course, we don't have to do this alone. Joylessness can be isolating, so reaching out is crucial. Sometimes that's talking to a trusted friend or family member. Other times it's finding groups or communities in person or online. And please hear this. If you feel like this is too much to tackle alone, there's zero shame in seeking professional support. Therapists and counselors are there to help us develop tools to manage tough emotions and find that spark of joy again. So we've talked about the root causes of joylessness and about how to start finding those sparks again. But let's be real, life happens. There are tough days, upsetting news, things that shake our sense of well-being. So how do we hold on to the joy that we've worked so hard to cultivate when challenges arise? The key here is resilience. It's not about pretending bad things don't exist or forcing ourselves to feel happy when we don't. It's about understanding how those difficult emotions affect us. This may sound cheesy, but it's about having tools to ride the waves without losing sight of the shore. <laughs> Remember, our minds and bodies are linked. Think about it. When we're tense and stressed, it even shows up in our bodies. Tight shoulders, headaches, the works. That impacts our capacity to feel joy too. And now I should inject a reminder to let your forehead go. Put your shoulders down. Release the tension in your body. This is where mindfulness comes in. It's a way to acknowledge those difficult feelings without getting consumed by them. We're not trying to erase them, but to see them clearly and learn to sit with it. The good news is those joyful practices we talked about, they've built a baseline of joy we can return to. Think of these tough times as temporary storms, not the whole weather pattern. Okay, am I getting a little too cheesy on you? I personally like these little sayings. Some days, even with the best intentions, joy will feel harder to reach. That's normal. That's part of being human. A favorite tool of mine is having a few joy anchors. Something small but potent that lifts you up. A favorite song, a silly video, a beautiful photo of a place you love, even a smell that brings good memories. Keep those handy for when things get tough. It's easy to see people who seem joyful and think they never struggle, but we all do. The difference is they have ways to navigate it, but you're building those skills now. If you're finding this difficult, remember that resources and support exist. And remember, you are building stronger joy muscles with each step you take. 
Whew, we have covered a lot today. From how joylessness seeps into our lives to ways to actively bring it back. And yes, we've acknowledged that challenges along the way are inevitable. But remember, joy is not a luxury or a feeling we stumble upon randomly. It's something we choose and we cultivate. What are some areas of your life where you might be unknowingly sacrificing joy? Is it the endless hustle? The fear of stepping outside that comfort zone? Start noticing because that will be the first step to change. As we wrap up, I want to leave you with a question to think about. What is true joy worth to you? Is it worth prioritizing even when it doesn't seem urgent or important? Your answer is a powerful compass guiding you back to the things that truly light you up. I talk about this a lot, that we have an internal compass and the points on it are our guiding principles. That internal compass will guide you back to things that spark joy in your life. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a review because they are my favorite to read. Together, we can spread the idea that joy is a choice, a practice, and it's always within reach. I'll be back tomorrow with a special episode for the leap year, so make sure you're following along so you don't miss it. And don't forget to join the community over on SJB Steal the Joy Back, especially for the new series, Tools of Joy, launching this Friday. You are worthy of joy, and I'm going to give you the tools to cultivate it.